Playing in the background the sounds of chain smokers with Push My Luck. You are still listening to Quarantine Base. The time is exactly 24 minutes past one o'clock. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, 66 is our WhatsApp line. Or if you're in the Twitter streets, it's at RMR897, hashtag Quarantine Base. Now, as usual, around this time, we usually have Sue to just give us um, a wrap-up of what's happening on the ground in terms of some of the social, socio-economic issues that do come up, um, you know, due to the COVID-19 and some of the persisting issues that, you know, have been there even um, pre-COVID-19. Last week, you know, you know, issues of crime did come up, issues of people not having, um, you know, access to, to your food parcels. There were a bit of complications around there. So today we just want to find out, Sue, um, what are some of the issues that you've been, uh, you sort of found out during this week and um, has there been any solutions from, you know, the problems that you, you mentioned or highlighted last week? Well, hi, thanks for this. Um, well, first of all, just, um, you know, I, I don't know if we're relieved or not moving uh-huh. to stage four of the lockdown. Was that, or was it not, a slightly awkward moment with the president and his mask last night? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really glad to see everybody is now wearing one. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about masks from Akana and, and their continued work. Um, then, as you know, in the province, just going down from, from what's happened nationally down to the province, mm-hmm. um, we know that the Zwilling Kizze visited the Eastern Cape mm-hmm. to use the province's resources. Yes. As the cases, particularly in PE, concerningly continue to rise. Um, last week, well, we spoke about um, the difficulty in getting local case numbers. Yes. Uh, to do with the province. There's in fact, you may have seen it, a notice to media saying, um, even if you know it, don't report on local cases because yeah. um, of the stigmatization involved. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit tricky because, you know, they're reporting the district. Now, Sarah Bartman district, which contains, um, okay, they are reporting the PE metro city, but... It, it, it's huge. It's 58,000 kilometers. It goes from Grafenik to the Lambe. It costs you, you know, Port Alexandria, rather, to Cookhouse. And one of our, one of our um, science-minded people, uh, Stephen Lane, discovered that it, it covers an area larger than the Sutu and Swaziland put together. So it doesn't really, it's, it's really not that helpful to to only report by district in some cases. So we've we put a request to, to to maybe reconsider at least reporting by health department sub district. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the health department is divided uh, not only into districts, so there's a sort of Bartman yes, health department yes. that we fall under, but also sub district. So we fall under the Makana sub district or the health department, which also includes Nglambe. So it's quite big already, but at least it's a bit more of a sense of what's happening, you know, closer to home. And we totally get the stigmatization thing. I mean, they were, we're referring to the stigma, stigmatization that at first happened with AIDS. But yeah. it is, it, it's a completely different kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, this is a, it, it's a, often not a, a choice 
things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, let's not go into that. But it's, it's, it is important to know how prevalent it is at, at, in your area at given, any given time. So we, we're arguing that one. <clears throat> okay, on the local front, um, level, one of the big things that's happened this week is they've opened the first homeless shelter, yeah, in Makanda. Yes. And um, it looks very neatly set out. They've obviously worked out how much space each person needs. They've got mattresses, they've got pillows. What they're asking for from the public um, is donations of all sorts of things, from household equipment, stuff to wash in, like basins and that, stuff to wash with, Mm -hmm. uh, face cloths, household goods, they need a kettle, I think they need an urn, um, plastic bags, clothes, shoes, pretty much anything you can think of if you're moving into a space that isn't your own. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so they're asking for those donations, and you'll see the details, um, we'll, we'll have those details up soon, I think you can probably also find them on the Grandstone Residence Association Facebook page. Right. Um, and you can also call the, the director of, of community and social services, Kalila Makoka, at the municipality. You're also very glad you received donations. So that's, that's the big news. Um, there are, yeah. So it ties in with a story that I'm going to talk about a little bit later, mm-hmm. which is the landfall. Um, so they were a number of people living at the landfill site. There has been for quite a long time. <clears throat> and that is part of uh, a court case that's underway. It's one of the things that McConnell Unity League are saying <clears throat> is a problem with the way that the landfill site mm-hmm. is being managed and not managed. So I'm not sure how that's going to affect the, the case at all. I doubt it will. Um, but it, it's interesting that it's taken this to to remove the the, 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 the the waste pickers who are earning their living from the landfill site and remove them into this homeless shelter during the period of lockdown and possibly beyond, I'm not sure. Um, food is still the, the big story, of course. Um, we published a, a, a very a good look at what's happening right now, written by Jane Veach, who's a lecturer in the uh, School of Journalism and Media, Media Studies at Rhodes. Um, so local feeding schemes really are stretched to the limit. <clears throat> there are thousands and thousands of hungry people in Makala, and only so much, um, so much food still. Yeah. Of course, the president announced massive relief measures, which I know that RMR has already reported on. Mm-hmm. But um, while the Department of Social Development and its partners are gearing up to distribute 250,000 food parcels throughout the country, here in Makanda, it's still local citizen-driven feeding schemes that are, are keeping people alive. That sounds dramatic, but I think it's the truth in many cases. So... There was a 50 billion rand package that the president announced, and that includes uh, includes provision for food through through increased grants, mostly. Um, and the Department of Social Development is partnering with the Solidarity Fund and, and, and NGOs 
to distribute all that food, 250,000 food parcels throughout the country in the next two weeks. <coughs> um, Jane Veach reports that according to Africa Check, about 400 households live below the poverty line of 1,000 rand per month here in the Kona municipality. So it's, it's very concerning. The local branch of SASA has spent its food parcel budget mm. and it's distributed 415 so far. We were there last week whenever we spoke to Julian Jacobs at the site at Bibi Zondani. Um, <clears throat> so they can distribute with aid, they just don't have more to give. Mm, I see. Um, so the provincial spokesperson, Jane Beach spoke to them, it's Obani Matswana, and said there were plans underway, they would be finalised later, and he said our, our usual budget of 5 million rands isn't enough, we've applied for more funding, and they don't know the Eastern Cape Department of Social Development doesn't know how much of that 50 billion uh, national relief fund will come here. We don't think yet. <coughs> so he says it's, it's really important for NGOs and individuals to continue helping and feed people. So, you know, the local feeding schemes are still going, thank goodness. Here in Makanda today, about 1,500 food parcels have been distributed by local volunteer groups and organizations. Mm -hmm. Jane spoke to more than five feeding schemes in Makanda. Most of them, and this is, I mean, this is hectic, most of them have actually reached their capacity to serve the growing numbers of people who are asking for assistance. Makanda Circle of Unity Feeding Scheme, which was established at the start of lockdown, has got a thousand people on its database. And by the end of this week, it will have delivered another 700 food parcels. Um, <clears throat> Masana says people who want to apply for food relief, because this is what everybody wants to know, should speak to their ward councillors, their church leaders, and other, other people who are in touch with the local joint operation. Okay. Committee. Um, citizens who don't receive grants can also visit the Department of Social Development. So that's the route. It's, it's, a, it's a cruel time for people who don't have a lot. Um, masks, masks for Makana are going strong. They've got <coughs> uh, pupils from the Diocesan School for Girls, DSG, uh, are working with roads community engagement to make kits for distribution so that people can actually make their own masks. So they're cutting fabric, putting in the elastic, mm -hmm. um, and they're distrib distributing these kits. Um, masks for Makana on Wednesday went to the second taxi association. Mm -hmm. There are two taxi associations operating here in, in Makanda. The one is um, on Nido. Last week they received masks, and this week it was Bata, the, um, well, Grantham, uh, it, it's associated with Bata, the National Association, the local branch of that. Um, so Dolly Kondile, the, the chairperson, local chairperson, was there to, to receive masks, and, and there was also a bit of an education campaign about social distance. Uh -huh. Taxi taxi drivers, as we know, are, are among 
tend to be among the most vulnerable when this virus really hits our community. Yeah. They're in constant contact with, with the public, constant close contact with the public. So these are all COVID-related stories, but, well, actually one more which kind of crosses those boundaries, but there are the stories happening anyway, despite COVID or not. Yeah. Um, the, we reported on Friday that prisoners at Vinek were <clears throat> threatening to join the, the national strike, which, and I mean, everyone says, oh, how did prisoners strike? And the message they've been saying they will use is, is a hunger strike, which is, is um, a, a, a dire measure to have to take to get your, your message across. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the main thing they said they would use to, to raise awareness of the conditions here at Vinek Prison. <coughs> they are, the, the Department of Correctional Services has, has absolutely admitted that they're overcrowded. They, they said there's no doubt about that. Um, they're, I'm looking for that story right now. So they've got something like, I think it's a, almost close to 200 more people in that prison than they should have. Um, but it's it, it's gross overcrowding. Uh, the prisoners were saying here at Vinek that in one section in particular, there were perhaps up to 50 people in a single cell. Oh, wow. Um, the correctional services have said that they're very aware of overcrowding problem, that they're acting on it. And there have been releases, not COVID-related releases, funnily enough, but... Um, releases for other reasons so on the 16th of December the president um, you know his amnesty announcement a, a number of prisoners were released then um, and there have been uh, a number of people were released between December and March and I'm quite sure of the details of that but they were um, and went back in on the 6th of March I'm not quite sure what the temporary release was about and they say they are paying attention to COVID-19 protocols. They're sanitizing, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> sanitizing cells. They're doing everything they should do. They're screening water, screening, uh, screening inmates. Inmates still say, some of them are still saying, well, it's the same as it was before. And in fact, it's, it's even more overcrowded. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously, it's, there's no um, there's no possibility, of course, of, of first-hand reporting there. And if, you know, unless I get myself arrested, which I'm not planning to do. Um, then another really, I, I, I think it's going to become rather important, certainly for our town anyway, there are hundreds of mothers and, uh, yes, mothers, in our town who are absolutely desperate. And this week out, outside the magistrate's court, um, which is where the maintenance court is based, yes. were absolutely furious <clears throat> because some of them say they haven't received maintenance money for three months. This is, oh. this is, this is money that directly affects the welfare of children. In yes. the town. So this is a big concern. And um, the court officials 
were absolutely doing their best to sort it out. They say that there's a system problem. Um, uh, and in fact, perhaps you could play those two clips that I sent you now, Lubo. It's the, the two women talking. Sure. Okay, my name is Samuel Gichera. I'm the representative of Ethiopian community and Gramstown. Uh, not, not that one. Okay. Okay, the mics seem to be uh, confusion some of the clips, so I'm just gonna try and get a hold of the third one, of the one that you were speaking of. But, okay, I'm just gonna try and get a hold of that one, but in the meantime. Can you also then just um, speak more on the the maintenance issues that have come out? So it, it seems to be a system problem. I eventually, um, yeah, I was directed to the regional uh, courts manager who's based in East London and tried unsuccessfully there to get hold of her. Eventually I got hold of the actually the ministry in Pretoria who, who directed me to somebody who was a quite informative, and explained that they've gone through to an electronic payment system. So um, just to go back a step or two, one of the big victories in maintenance payments was to get government departments to deduct maintenance from fathers, and at 99% of the time it is fathers' salaries, um, to pay directly into... Uh, a, a, an account that has up to now been managed at the at the court, and um, mothers claiming maintenance have gone to the courts to to receive their their money. Um, uh, my information from from the people I spoke to in Pretoria is that they've now introduced an electronic payment system. It's been they've been trying to introduce it for the past five or six years, and it seems like now they really are uh, determined to activate it. It's called Moja Pay. Um, they, they've done it because they don't want people to stand in queues, especially at this time. Um, but of course, you know, there, there seems to be all problems, yeah. all sorts of problems in yeah. people accessing it. I'm not sure if you're ready for those. Yeah. So I've been able to get a hold of the two clips. I think it's of Namakwezi and um, is it Carmel Martins? Okay, I'm just going to play the two just now. Thank you. Nadat ek die 25 
Titani van vrijdag was ook hier, wat nou bij die kliniek zit. Hulle het praat gesê, vrijdag gaan die geld, zaterdag gaan die geld in is. Sy wacht nou nog, die is dames, die wat die sit, wat graag ook hulle opinie, wil gee omtrend hulle onderhoud, my tenens. Ik hoef ook aan die Engels. Anything. Ik kom al aan. My name, okay. My name is Noma Prezi Madiwa. I'm getting e-maintenance from Department of Education. The problem is that when I'm coming up a magistrate court in Greenstown, Emma Kanda, we didn't get the money. They said the system, we changed the system since February. They said they changed the system to another system. They give us different stories and now we're under pressure. When we're here, classify again go corner. But imali yango February, since I fuma nango March, nango March, since fuma ne e e e kafe e kago April, since fuma ne e March. He pick any any element. When I phone for the Department of Education, they said, i i i i i imali e to buy two mail and also ne schedule buy two mail. After the case, like a case like a Nazi schedule, it was trial and appeal. I was phone inside the court, and in a case like a panga panga, I was phone over my singe, nenga panga. He pick any any where is this man? We need that money because we are under pressure. We are not going to be able to So, Sue, I'm getting the sense that there's a bit of a, you know, an urgency when it comes to this issue, as you mentioned earlier on, that it might be something that needs to be attended, attended um, urgently. So just because of time, I'm just going to want you to also just give us, um, you know, a few highlights from the two clips that I also have here, because we're going to have to go into another conversation just briefly. So if you can briefly just give me, um, you know, what's happening there, and then we can just play those as well. Indeed. And I'm sorry, I missed, I should have mentioned this earlier. It's it's really the big food story of the week, and it's a wonderful story. Definitely. The, the Ethiopian immigrant community. Now, those of you who've lived in Makanda for a while will remember what happened in 2015, was it? Um, when they were among the Ethiopian, Ethiopian immigrants, were among those targeted in a horrible state of xenophobic looting. Yeah. So it's this same community who have stepped up and said, we, we can't watch our fellow Makanda residents yes. starve if there's anything we can do. So this this amazing group have got together, they raised 60,000 rand oh, wow. together 300 food parcels. And with the assistance of SAT, and I know we spoke uh, last week at some point about what kind of role SATs have been playing. I need to say again, the only role I've seen them play throughout this whole time, mm -hmm. I'm claiming that I'm everywhere and that I see everything, but the only role I've seen them play is an extraordinary, um, how can I say, community policing role of um, facilitating food handouts, um, into, uh, engaging with the public. And again, they were doing this. They were supporting the Ethiopian uh, community in distributing these parcels all over the time um, to the poorer identified families in, in poorer communities. Okay. And they're, they're doing an amazing job. So these. These two clips, the first is um, Samuel Gutierrez, who's the representative of that community, and the second one is Catherine Napella, who, 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 who asked to, to comment on, okay. on how she felt about getting food. Okay. 
Okay, my name is Samuel Gechera. I'm the representative of Ethiopian community and Gramstown. Uh, as the community, we decided to contribute as the people of Uganda are uh, facing the lockdown, as they are uh, going through this hard time, we decided to come up with a plan uh, that is to feed 300 households. The community decided to contribute, uh, that's uh, an amount of 60,000 rand, and we bought the food passes and, and, and we are busy contributing here at the police station. And our aim is to feed and to share from what we have. And as the people who are having businesses in township, uh, we decided to uh, help, decided to contribute from what we have, even though we're not rich, we decided to give from the little that we have. That's what we're doing here at the construction right Okay, it seems like the, there's, there's been a great, um, you know, sense of responsibility from, from you know, the Ethiopian, uh, uh, I guess, community and also just responding. And I think it's it's work that needs to be, you know, congratulated and also just highlighted, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing gesture. Okay. See, because of time, I'm going to say thank you for this, um, you know, quite informative, uh, um, you know, chat because also it just raised many issues that I think, um, you know, many listeners aren't aware of, especially the maintenance issue and also the contribution made by the Ethiopian, um, you know, community. A big thank you for, for, for those two um, stories. Great. Can I just um, mention one more thing? Sure. Um, which is that Grocots has teamed up again this week. We print, we did a print edition again this week. We're not okay. printing every single week, but we did this week. We've printed uh, copies in Iskasa, uh, in English in, and in Afrikaans, which will be going out, well, some of them are already out in the community today, mm-hmm. but in the next few days, we'll be taking them out right across the town. Okay. It's a very special edition. It's been guest edited by... Um, Professor Janice Limson, who's the DSI NRA South African Research Chair in Biotechnology Innovation and Engagement. That's a lot of words. We're saying it's a project that tries to bring science to the people. Mm-hmm. And that's what these editions are doing. They're explaining COVID-19 in a way that um, most of us can understand more clearly. These beautiful graphics that that team has come up with. Um, and of course, it's, it, it's a collaboration with a number of people. Rhodes Community Engagement has been incredibly important in getting these, these editions out to people. And again, they'll be out there. You'll see them with their loud hailers telling the children to stay inside. <laughs> um, but they, they'll be out, and so will we in the next few days. Okay. Thank you so much, Sue. That was Sue from Grokot's Mail, basically um, giving us a wrap-up of some of the coverage and reporting that has been happening on the ground, particularly to issues that pertain to COVID-19 and some of the, you know, um, socioeconomic issues that have, you know, been happening before uh, the lockdown. We're going to go back into the music, but please do stick around as we'll be having um, a GP on air just to talk about the differences between an actual flu and COVID-19 and how do flu vaccines look like.
during this period and the importance of that and sort of giving us a differentiating a differentiating between um, COVID-19 and um, getting a cold. Going back into the music, this is Labyrinth with Treatment.